0: The Wizard of Oz is something that came out a long time ago, and a lot of people talk about The Wizard of Oz, but I like The Wiz, so I'm gonna reference Dorothy from The Wiz, not the Dorothy from Wizard of Oz, if that's okay. Fine. Thank you. In one of your videos, you said that uh, Dorothy had everything she needed to get home the whole time and she just didn't know it. And one of the things you recognize that you had what you needed the whole time to get home. And I wanted to understand from you like what home means to you as it relates to that in your journey of being a mermaid and being this positive force in your life and other people's lives.
1: Okay. I feel like, A, you pulled like a deep cut of my own videos. So I'm like, I said that. But (laughs) I think home to me means a couple of things, right? Like I think home in one way is just that peaceful center, right? Like, Like really sitting in your I am and just still. But I think in reference to dorothy and becoming a mermaid and like the work that i do it's like almost quieting all the you should or you could or you whatever and just like really going like what what do i want to do what do who wh- what what do i want to be doing what what's bringing me joy what in realizing that yeah like that's always probably largely been with you and we grow and we evolve and Hopefully we become better versions of ourselves. But a lot of us, a lot of who we are is pretty consistent uh, when we turn off who everybody
0: else wants us to be. Was it a challenge for you to turn that off of what other people wanted you to be? Or were you always tapped into that?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think it's an, in some ways it's an ongoing challenge. I think it's easier for me than other people but I still think it's an ongoing challenge because our whole world is designed to tell you what other people think you should be doing. I mean, a friend and I were working on, you know, we're recording this in January. Um, we were working on, like, you know, just our plans for the year. And, like, I wrote out some goals. And she's like, well, you don't have any goals in this category. And my re- reflex was like, well, what goals do you think I should have in this category? Yeah. What? Like, no, like, she can't tell me what my goals are. Like, that doesn't truly make sense. But there's so much input of you should do this, you should do that. There's so much created to make us draw comparisons between ourselves and always be wanting something different. So in some way, yeah, it's an ongoing challenge. I always have to, like, kind of check in, like, is, is this me? Or is this what other people, you know, are trying to put on me and I'm just assuming In other ways, I'm a rebel. So um, (laughs) I like that. But being a rebel is hard, too, because sometimes you do what people don't want you to do just because you're being rebellious, but they're still controlling you. And so then it's like, is this what I want to do or am I just being oppositional? And so you still have to, like, check in. So it's an ongoing journey, but I do think it's a little easier for me than other people.
0: These kind of relationships disturbed when we don't take the time to know what it is to sing, to know how to get close to the again, but a, if singing doesn't make it happen, or maybe. Well, the person that you guys are listening to is a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> she just told you. She's a wife. She's a merseus. You see how you use that? Mersus? Did you Mercedes, like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a mermaid, a human being, a woman, a beautiful light that I have been fortunate enough to meet and have as a guest on the show. Shea Monique, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored and pleased to be here and glad we are finally here right now.
0: This has been, just so you guys know, this woman was on a Netflix documentary titled Merpeople, right? It was Mer-
1: yes, Merpeople.
0: I didn't even know that there were people out there living their lives as mermaids. And when I was going through and looking at the list on uh, Netflix, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I got I to gotta see what this is about. And I clicked on it and you and a lot of other black folks were highlighted in extremely prominent ways. And when I looked and saw that you were in the DMV area, I was like, well, shit, what are we waiting on? And I <laughs> reached out to you and you were so gracious enough to agree to come on. But I was moved by by your story, by your journey. Um, I didn't feel they went into a lot of like personal stuff, which wasn't the, the aim, I feel, of the of the documentary. But it definitely made me want to learn more about like like you and like how you got to that point of filming a documentary and all of that so that was a lot how did you come to become or want to become a mermaid
1: well you know I was three or four and the little mermaid came out and she's swimming around underwater and it's magical and it's colorful and I've always loved to swim and I've kind of always wanted to do it. Now, even as a little kid, like, I didn't think it was a actual like career path per se, but like it has been a just fun fantasy truly in some ways my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember not knowing how to swim. And when I was like elementary aged, when you were at my, in my neighborhood, once you were nine, you could take a swim test. And if you pass the swim test, you could go to the pool without your parents. And by the time I guess myself and my brother both hit that like old enough and passed the test, that was probably the best summers for my mom, you
0: know, cause, cause she was officially
1: off duty. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just remember being a little kid, being at the pool like all day, we would ride our bikes to the pool And we would stay so long. My mom would be like, I'll come pick you up. Just call me when the pool is closing or whatever. And, you know, I'm old enough that we like call collect, you know, and be like, do the mom, (laughs) I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, that was my, that was like, it's as far as I remember all day, every day in the summer, just hanging out in the pool, swimming, playing all the pool games, but some of those pool games were definitely mermaid. Um, so in some ways it's been there forever. I've, the beach has always been my happy place. Like I love nothing more than just like floating around, riding the waves. Um,
0: Have you always gravitated towards water? Like that's, has that been like a, a yeah. safe space for you?
1: Yeah, and I think I um I'm lucky generationally because even when I think about going to the beach as a little kid, like I got to just hang out in the ocean by myself, like, <laughs> in a way that like.
0: <laughs> that sounds so negligent now in 2023. Right, right. Yeah. And
1: my mom's umbrella was a watermelon, and you know most beach umbrellas are striped in one way or another. Yeah. They're striped, and so it was like in a sea of striped umbrellas. I would just keep my eye on the watermelon, and you know the. Tide starts carrying you and you start drifting and it's like okay that watermelon's looking a little far I better swim back and I'd like get myself back and maybe get a little snack and then I'd go back out and drift off again Mm. and come back and it's like yeah from today's perspective when I think about how I am with my niece I'm like she's never more than four feet away from me (laughs) but I just was like two blocks down in the ocean chilling by myself like
0: times are different for sure
1: Living my best little kid life, getting beat up by the waves, like snot all over the place. Like, oh, that was fun. Let me go back. Like, Were you great.
0: opening your eyes and all that in the, in the salt water back then?
1: I don't think so. Okay. Not
0: on purpose. Gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Do you remember the movie Splash?
1: So, confession, I just watched Splash for the first time like a year ago.
0: That's how I got introduced to Mermaids. Okay. To Splash. Okay. I loved that movie. Daryl Hannah. And uh, damn, I just, missed, what's the guy's name? Was it? Tom Hanks. Okay. I, I love Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah and um, Olivia Newton John. Those were like my crushes back in okay. when I was a little kid. There weren't a lot of black women on TV. So I like fell in love with Olivia Newton John and, okay. and like Daryl Hannah. Not to say there's anything wrong with it, but that was, I love that movie. A year ago. Yeah. Uh, so the Merck community, you see, she, she. I'm just kidding.
1: No, kidding. it's interesting because. There's generations, there's Splash Mermaids, there's Little Mermaid Mermaids, and then there's like Mako Mermaids and H2O Mermaids, those are like things that came out once I was grown, okay. so like, you kind of can honestly eyeball, at least as somebody like Gen X, a millennial, or Gen Z, based on like, when you say like, what was your mermaid movie, gotcha. that kind of goes, oh, okay. 20s, 30s, 40s, up. Like, you can kind of guess just based on that.
0: When did you realize there was a mermaid community that you wanted to be a part of?
1: I first realized there was a mermaid community maybe about 12-ish years ago. Um, I, I'll i say I'm still a member. I don't know if I'm active anymore, but I never wanted to leave. Of uh, The DC Girly Show, um, which is a burlesque troupe, And we used to be in the Pride Parade every year. And um, one year, the theme was, What's Your Fantasy? And like, without a beat, I was like, Mermaid! And I really started, it kind of like opened, excuse me, opened something up for me. And I started like researching and like, I made a walking tail for the parade, but I was like, I wanna know more about this. I wanna know, you know, and so that's when I really got a pulse that like, oh, there is a community, there's people who do this. But um, it was still mostly like latex and silicone tails that were costing more than I made in a month as a nanny. And uh, the community was still pretty pretty small and relatively inaccessible, but that's when I first became aware of it.
0: Okay. When did you choose to get involved?
1: So around 2018, I... um, Saw this plus-size Latina woman in an aerial shirt. And growing up, I didn't get aerial stuff. Like, I loved the movie. I watched it. I, you know, used to swim like her. Uh, but my mom was really big on making sure I had black representation in the house. I had black dolls. Like, um, books were different. But, like, any, like, thing I was going to hold and play with and whatnot was going to look like me to some extent. And um, so I didn't get princess T-shirts and stuff. And so I saw this woman and I was like... I'm an adult and I can buy myself an Ariel shirt if I want to. And then I was like, but it would be really radical if somebody who looked more like Ariel had a shirt with a mermaid who looked more like me. And I was like, let's play with that. And so I got the idea to start Society of Fat Mermaids. Um, And we started out uh, with t-shirts representing like our kind of original squad. I had an artist I know locally um, do seven different kind of plus size mermaids of different ethnicities. And I just put them on shirts with leggings. Um, I'm currently wearing mermaid scale leggings, but, um, I didn't even know that was a thing at the time. Mm. So like, I envisioned almost toddler clothes for adults. So it would be like, here's this fat black mermaid. (laughs) And then on the leggings, it was just like that same mermaid, but in a pattern. Um, because I'm like, this is just fun, quirky, comfy clothes. And so, um, then I was like, well, I shouldn't sell something to a community and not be part of it. And so I, from there, got involved in the local Mer community. And I think being in the DMV is so amazing for, like, any extracurricular activities you want to get involved in as an adult because whatever people are passionate about, they just really go hard here. And I feel like people have kids later, they have pretty decent jobs. And so things that are, like, fringe activities, I feel like, in other parts of the country, like... They just explode here. Like, it's a great place to be a little weird. It's a great place to be kind of nerdy because, like, people will put their energy, they will leave that, like, buttoned-up government job and then go do their thing and really go all in. And so um, we have a great pod here called Metro Merfolk. So I joined Metro Merfolk, and things kind of went from there.
0: So you saw this picture, this T-shirt, and was like, I'm an adult. I want that shirt, and then you immediately converted that to, nah, I want somebody to have some a shirt on that looked like me with the, on the shirt. Yeah, That sounds like a very uh, culturally conscious thought to have immediately after one that wasn't so culturally conscious. Have, have you always been sensitive to... Well, it sounds like you have since your mom was saying you got to have this representation. (laughs) Yeah,
1: like that's how I was raised. It really wasn't a choice. Like, that's just how I was raised. And so it's interesting, right? Because culturally, we are having this like awakening of consciousness and people, I think, are really struggling with it and making things a lot, in my mind, harder than they need to be. Mm -hmm. But that's because like, I don't know. I've just, my parents were amazing and really smart people and manage the duality of being like black people in America I feel like fairly well and so you know I see people struggling like ah, oh, it's the 4th of July I mean Jew LIE like and I'm like bruh like <laughs> just can we just have fireworks <laughs> with a barbecue because it's fun because that's how I was raised like literally <laughs> we'd be on our way to a barbecue to blow stuff up because yeah. my father thinks it's fun and he'd be telling us about Frederick Douglas's what to the Slave is the 4th of July like you can do both and you can do both like literally at the same time we'd have our Thanksgiving dinner and then we would literally as a family talk about how folks came over here and you know basically destroyed and stole everything that the indigenous people had and we would that would just be normal conversation there was no like oh we got to boycott things why why are we not going to sit and gather with our family (laughs) and talk about what we're grateful for like why would we not do that but let's also talk about the foundations of this alleged holiday and like who was injured and who did that injuring. But like. For me, for my whole life, it's always like that duality has always been there, um, thanks to my parents. And so it's really interesting to watch people struggle because it's like, y'all are really overcomplicating this. Like we can't un-America America, but we also don't have to lie to ourselves. Yeah, about what it is. Yeah. Like
0: we we can do both. Sounds like you had some awesome parents. I
1: do, yes.
0: I'm sorry, had, have. have some awesome parents. That's... Now, you go out, you get involved in the, in the Mermaid community. You're Shea Monique. How was Shea Monique received?
1: Very well, because I wasn't received as Shea Monique. I was received as the Society of Fat Mermaids. And when you say the Society of anything, people assume there's like thousands of you. Like, <laughs> it's really cool because now there oh, are, wow. but like at first it was me, but people like, so you had fat folk who were just like, I need this. Like, oh my goodness, like I've been waiting for this. And then you had people who didn't even know that was a dream that they could have being like, yes, I'm, I'm in. And then you had other people like, oh, I guess we better listen to these fat people because um, there's thousands of them. But again, at first it was just me. Um, and so it was a very lovely and like welcoming reception. And the mer community, for the most part, is a very inclusive community. It's, um, it's weird because I came to mermaiding from burlesque. And so, like, the burlesque community is inclusive and radical. Mermaids are not as radical, but they are inclusive. Um, And they're, like, willing to catch up. They're just not as far along in their, like, awareness of the larger world. Uh, But by and large, yeah, um, I was received very well. And um, my intention was to kind of just be a quiet part of the community and one day it snowed and I had a local photographer friend who I knew from burlesque and snow photo shoots are a big deal both for mermaids and burlesque performers. I don't know, there's something about going and being half naked and freezing your tush off or your tail off um, that is like a thing. And so my friend's like, hey, do you want to shoot? And I'm like, yeah. And at the time, I was like, should I bring my tail? And like, I wanted to, like, it was kind of like I wanted my friend to give me permission, but nonetheless, it wasn't the assumption that I would. It was like, should I bring it? And they were like, yeah. And we took a photo in like the Crystal Crystal City water park on a fountain and it went viral. Or so I thought, because like 3,000 people liked it. Oh, that's
0: something. viral to me. Yeah. It was viral to me too. <laughs> yeah. Now
1: I had a video that 75 million people saw
0: on TikTok last summer. 75 million?
1: 75 million. My best friend was on her way to Ghana. And I was like, dude, that's more people than are in the country you're going to. Like, what? But, but at the time, 3,000 people. I was like, "Whoa!" And so and that's when I realized that like, um, based on the comments, like as a fat, black, um, I'm queer, but not visibly so. Uh, But the photographer like very much coded like the captioning as like very queer. So I'm like fat, black, queer, got like natural hair. um, Don't color my grays. And like you're hearing from people who sit at different parts of those intersections and I'm not like asking for permission. Like, it's not like, it's just like, here I am, like, in a glorious state, and it wasn't apologetic, but it also wasn't like, like, yes, it's about being fat because I'm always fat, but it wasn't about being fat, you know? And um, reading the comments was like, oh, like I physically represent something for a lot of different people. Like there's something here, let's lean into it. And so going into mermaiding, I just thought I was selling merch um, and supporting other people and like encouraging tail makers to be more inclusive. And that's when I was like, oh, like Mermaid Shay Monique, she's a thing, people want her.
0: Here we are, so. That's amazing. I gotta process a, a little bit, give me like 15 seconds for Take what, cause you just, you just said a gang of shit and I'm gonna make sure I got it right. It takes a lot of confidence to get half-naked to do anything, in my opinion, regardless of what your body type looks like. Obviously, you are – let me go all the way back. You're saying fat often, and I want to make sure that I'm being respectful. Yes, you can call me fat. We're okay, here. Okay. Like I said you can call me fat.
1: You can call me fat.
0: So from a, so, uh, a body-shaming standpoint, you're not – is that one of those things where you have to ask the person is it to to or like what, yeah. what, what's appropriate for that?
1: I think it's like constantly changing right because like on the one hand, like my official argument is fat is just a descriptor. it doesn't doesn't and shouldn't. Carry any judgment value, right? Like I right. am a three hundred plus pound woman. Like, and it's interesting when people are like, "Oh, you're not fat. You're you're big bones, You're you're strong. You're." I'm like, I am strong. Oh, you're beautiful. You're. Th- I am that. Also, I'm fat. I mean, technically, I guess officially, I have a lot of fat, right? Like, I guess that is what is very technical. But um, there is a movement that I am a part of that says we just want the word fat to be a neutral descriptor. Okay. Now. Again, you can't un-America, America. You can't unworld the world. That word is very loaded um, for many, many people. I remember the first time I called myself fat in front of my niece, and she was maybe three or four, and she's like, "That's a bad word." And I think, honestly, in her household, it's a very bad word. Um, in her, okay, I got you. Um, and um, and I'm like, no, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, we can not say that I'm fat, but, like, you can see me, like, I mean, um, but because there is so much weight on that word, um, and because so many people have been bullied, abused with that word, I think that, um, what I would recommend, like, if you hear someone self-refer to themselves as fat a lot, maybe do like you just did, like, you refer to yourself as fat, is it okay if I do too? And, They'll probably be like, yeah, because they're, you know, because once you hit the point where you're comfortable self-referring, you're probably also want the word used um, because there's like a weird around of like, like shame around the word. It's like very bizarre because you like literally can't hide it. But-,
0: <laughs> but I feel like we're doing that with a lot of other types of words. And I am super sensitive to being respectful of other people. And I appreciate when they make room for my ignorance because mm-hmm. it, 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 I'm not trying to be intentionally right. harmful. And I think my programming right now is such to where I'm very uncomfortable using the word fat. It's it just, just like
1: people of size. That's kind of like the like, like the like it feels very PC, right? Like people of size or larger body plus size plus size. Okay. Um. And yeah, but I, am, body. I
0: I appreciate you just I, I, I feel like I understand the logic behind the use of the word, because I feel like it's intentional in what your attempt to do is, which is take the shame out of the word. I mean, it's a, it's a the it's,
1: shame and negativity. I just yeah. I want it to be a neutral descriptor like, oh, that's a thin woman. That's a fat woman. Like and not that now. Now, if that's a joke. We know the punchline's gonna be on the fat woman. Like just yeah. that's a thin woman, that's a fat woman. You know, I just I want it to be
0: neutral. Okay. Um, so you started in burlesque. Yes. What is burlesque?
1: Burlesque is uh the art of the tease. Um some people say it's nerdy stripping. Um
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it. nerdy stripping. Nerdy stripping. Stripping. stripping
1: with a storyline, um, like kind of old school striptease, you know, the okay. long gloves, the feather boas.
0: Provocatively just, dressed?
1: Yeah. Do you uh, remove clothes? Yes. Okay. Um, generally, like the full definition of burlesque is very broad. But like when you think like um, Dita Von Teese maybe like usually people think like vintage kind of stripping, like though that is a very narrow definition of burlesque and burlesque is a lot bigger than that. Um, That'll usually at least kind of get your head in the right direction. Um, So um, I would say 95% of burlesque involves some sort of stripping and there should be some sort of like storyline or like tease going with it as well.
0: I feel like there's a connection that you're that you have with your body that, that okay. is demonstrated in the choice to do burlesque and then to move over to um, mermaiding. Is that, is that can Because those seem like very no. You got to be naked a lot from what it sounds like. I don't know. I'm trying to think of another way to say it. And it's, and and like there, there's, is there a relationship that you have with your body and connecting to that and like being free in that? I feel like there's something more than just those two. There's too much symmetry there, I think, to a degree. Am I tripping?
1: I don't think you're tripping. I think um, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting doing mermaiding after burlesque because sometimes people like, come to me and they'll be like, well, how are you comfortable in your body in this way? Or how, you know, what, what is your family? Like, how do you get your family comfortable with this? And I'm like, well, here's the thing. I spent like 12 years taking my clothes off for money and not enough of it. Um, and we kind of had to be hush-hush about it because my mom worked in education we can tell people I'm a mermaid. So my family is thrilled. Like, you know, for for a lot of people, that's like the like radical thing to do. But for me, it's like, oh, okay, well, at least she's keeping her top on this time. You know, (laughs) like it's (laughs) easier, but that's because I started doing burlesque when I was like 21 or 22. Um, Honestly, I think burlesque was just like a fun way for me to like possibly figure out my relationship with my body um, and explore like... Okay. Like, I mean, I've been fat my whole life. Now it's interesting because like people's body, like not just my personal body changes over time, but like also like average bodies change over time. And Mm -hmm. so like, while I was like the biggest kid in elementary school now, like little kids are bigger than they were then, you know, but, but for the time I've been big my whole life, except for when I was first born, I was very small when I was first born. Um, But uh, let's say from two on, I was always big and I've always heard other people's, you know, thoughts and feelings and opinions on my body. And I guess we have to back it up because I stumbled into belly dance when I was like 15 or 16. Um, (laughs) And like belly dance professionally (laughs) when I was in college. And so it was like belly dance and then burlesque and then mermaiding. Um, and And yeah, I do think particularly the belly dance and burlesque was in part me like A, just maybe being rebellious, like this is a body that's supposed to be hidden and here it is, Um, B, just figuring it out, like figuring out my relationship with myself and whatnot. And um, the cool thing about all three, but I would say especially belly dancing um and burlesque because they also just put me in community of like really cool people and um the belly dance class was for adults and I like went through like a bunch of hoops to try to like get permission to sign up at 16 because I wasn't 18 and it was really really funny because like I got like the instructor's permission and when it came time to do whatever I realized like nobody's carding you it was like at the rec center it's like nobody's carding you just lie <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's not that big of a deal like it's not a nightclub it's a neighborhood wreck yeah. um but being 16 in a belly dance class it was mostly women in 30 plus and so it was just a really beautiful space I stumbled into and I did I belly danced through college and was yeah always the youngest person in a class and um it was just a really cool community I ended up in because and, of that.
0: And you don't Okay, so like the connections with that is just great. I mean, it it's beautiful. I think it it's the rebel thing I think you were talking about before. Um and then also the, the 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 going home, like always having what you need and not necessarily know you had it and you know, you come to the world with this with this body, with this personality, with this smile, with this face, with this with these attributes that, I mean, you're not your body, but but it's a part of how you move through the world and embracing it in a way that I feel that you've done through belly dancing, through burlesque, through mermaid, seems like a way of owning who you are, despite the, 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 the social cues of what you should be doing with that body, which is covering it up. Is what I'm saying making sense?
1: It's totally making sense. I think owning and discovering and figuring it out, right? Like it's weird being like a teenage girl, which I guess is who I was when I started, you know, belly dancing, because in some ways everything, all the external programming is simultaneously telling you like what you need to do to be an object of desire And then they're telling you to do absolutely nothing with that desire, right? Like your own or anybody else's. Um, And then to be like fat, they're telling you, oh, and you'll never be desirable, right? And so then there's like belly dance, which is like a 15 or 16 year old. And so interestingly enough, I discovered belly dance through there's these twins. I think they were on the episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They're Vina and Nina, the belly twins. And they had Mm. belly dance fitness workout videos. And I have been... Handed exercise videos my entire life. I even had, and I I hope it's in the collection, they got for me in, I guess it had to be the 80s, a Miss Piggy um, workout album, like record, like, Okay. And while I have, I do not have any memories of doing the Miss Piggy workout, just the fact that I'm a toddler basically with like, but it's the eighties, right? Like everybody needs to be skinny, right? And like, You don't give Coke to toddlers. So you give them <laughs> Miss Piggy <laughs> workout albums so that they can like work on their fitness, I guess. Um, but I mean, that's kind of what it is to be a fat girl. Like, I'm a toddler with a workout record, like what? And so I always had.
0: You didn't internalize any of that? Hell yeah, I did Okay, I just, because the way you're saying it, I'm just, I'm, I'm, okay, okay, I just, okay, I got you, Absolutely. I got you. Absolutely. I got you, I got you. And
1: so, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's interesting because I don't know if there's any journey that you've ever made it to the other side of. And you kind of forget how bad it was. I think even healing, like, so possibly even with your leg, you might, like, be like, like once you remember how to walk, you forget, like, oh, my gosh, there was a day I could barely get out of bed. You know, like, it's like once you're on the other side, you forget. And yeah, I spent much of my life thinking I was 50 pounds from this, 20 pounds from this. Like, oh, if I lose this amount of weight, then I can blah, blah, blah. Maybe if I lose weight, I can da, 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 da. Like, and at some point, I woke up. But no, that, I mean, I did really cool things. I did really interesting things, but I was always X amount of pounds from being worthy of, honestly, existence was like the core belief, right? Like it was always like, oh, well, maybe if I lose weight, I can, and you can fill in the blank. And and so sometimes I forget like how how much that was a part of me. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't even say diet culture was a part of my life, diet culture was my life probably solidly for the first 25 years of it. Um, Yeah.
0: So you're in, like, I feel like you're, you're you and, uh, I don't want to project that. Let me ask the the question. Being where you are now in your life and doing all the things that you've done, you're married, so you found love, so that was bullshit.
1: Yeah, nobody's going to love a fat girl. Go on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See that, so that was bullshit. You're not going to be desirable. That was bullshit. You can't do this and that and the third. That was bullshit. You're proving that it's all bullshit, right? How do you handle the voices?
1: Mine or other people's? Both. Mm, mine... I had to teach that it was bullshit. And I did a pretty good job about it. Um, It started, I think, when I was in high school-ish. My mom had a lot of mirrors in the house. And um, just spent, I think, like a lot of people do at certain ages, like a lot of time just looking at myself in the mirror. But weirdly, I feel like I got desensitized to my own body. So, like, I can't even say that, like, I initially, like, came to love my body. But I think I literally just, like you know, I don't know, like poke your stomach and it jiggles and you're like, ah, and you do it enough times and it stops shocking you or whatever. Um, I tell people who are struggling with their bodies, I'm like, close your eyes and touch yourself, particularly if there's like a little extra of you. Cause like, you might not like how fat looks, but I don't know anybody who doesn't like how it feels. It is, it feels good. Um, Mm. and so the voices now are more subtle, but I just call them out. I call them out like I try to call out um, other people in my life, if that makes sense. And I try and I, I I question. You have to question, like, what is that? Where is that coming from? What does that mean? Do you believe that? And you have to do that with like any like systemic bias. So, um, good point. I remember. I was at the beach, and there was this fat guy on a bicycle. And I guess I don't usually see fat guys on a bicycle, but something about seeing this guy on this bicycle, and what was interesting is, like, he had all the gear. So to me, that meant, like, he was serious, right? Because, like, sometimes somebody's, like, riding a bike, but this looked like a biker. But, like, also this was, like, 350, 400-pound biker, and so my brain kind of did a does-not-compute thing. And I was like, well, hey, founder of the Society of Fat Mermaids, like, what's going on here? And that was not an out, out loud conversation, but I just sat with myself and dissected that, like, like what, what are you saying? You know, and I just had to ask myself those mm. questions. But, you know, if another ism comes up, gosh, like weird stuff comes up that makes me confront my anti-blackness all the time, you know? And it's like, hmm, okay, you know racist in class as much let's let's
0: let's let's <laughs> let's, let's,
1: let's, let's play with this and yeah. so I just call those voices out there um and I've done a good job so like it's not as much but what's there is kind of deep because it's not the like superficial stuff if that yeah. makes sense yeah and so we just we just sit down we talk about it we unpack it and you know is that true what, what is this really saying or showing or demonstrating? Mm-hmm. And I just go from there.
0: I've been wanting to, um, I don't know if it's a thing, and I'm not trying to diagnose myself, but I feel like sometimes I have body dysmorphia. And um, I, was, I was this real skinny kid, and I got really big, like 250 pounds. 260 maybe, even for a while. I was eating a lot of Taco Bell and drinking 40s, you know, doing all this old kind of dumb shit. Now I got really big. Um, And then when I lost the weight, when I look in the mirror now, I still see like an obese person. Okay. And the only time I don't see an obese person, when I look in the mirror, is when I'm fasting mm. or when I'm putting myself through like an extreme dietary regimen of mm-hmm. some sort. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll start to feel a little bit better about myself. The voices or the, the images that I see are starting to shift, but it's something that I've been, you know, working with for a long time and I'm very self-conscious about the way that I look and it's taken me, a while to kind of like come into accepting me who I am, regardless of what the numbers say, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of how my clothes feel, regardless of what is too tight or whatever the case may be. And that's an internal struggle that I, me having as a dude that I can only, I can't be the only dude that thinks that way at certain times about themselves. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I think, um, body image and body image and like eating stuff for men in some ways it's like I feel like more complex because it's like less okay to talk about it right um and and I feel like there's maybe less and again like I feel like all of these things we're making progress on but there's like less archetypes of like an ideal male body like at least like You know, there's Mm. like kind of athletic women and there's, you know, like, oh, there's like, they're all very hard to attain. You know, then there's like the Instagram, like curvy girl or but there's also like the super skinny girl. There's a couple different archetypes. And, you know, what is most dominant changes from time to time? And like whoever has this one, which is they had that one and whatever. But like for a while, it was like, oh, if you're going to be a man, you need to look like Superman, you know. And, you know, are you (laughs) too skinny? Are you too fat? Um, I will say, most like fat people I know, obese. That word, hate. Like really? Yeah.
0: Why? Um, Tell me about it.
1: I think it's like a pseudo medical term, so it's like it gets like weaponized in a really specific way. Mm. Like, it, it, like I hear like it gets used either. I find two ways, um, and I'm definitely not the expert on this. Um, but one is, like, this quasi-medical, right, thing. Like, it's, like, kind of sounds more medically. So it's, like, oh, they're obese. That's not good for them. Like, that's bad. Like, and, and it's in the, like, medical books, you know, like obesity and, like, severe obesity and whatever. And, like, um, but there's, and then there's this, like, also hear people go, I mean, he was fat. I mean, he was really fat. He was obese. So, like, it's either used in this, like, pseudo-medical way to, like, kind of, I think, control and shame people. And, like, even um, within, like, medical terminology, it's like, okay, so we're just making these measures based on BMI, and then we say that's bad. And there are sure correlations um, between obesity and other things, but, like, no real proven causations but we've mm-hmm. just decided, like, if your BMI is this, you're this. And so this is what we're going to do. I follow um, this doctor whose, like, Insta handle is the TheFatDoctor. Um okay. Yeah, and uh, they're just brilliant. Uh, we're both in a documentary that hopefully will be available widely soon, but it's called Embodied. And at some point the director is like explain to us bmi and they go oh, it's bullshit can i say that bullshit and then they go and give their like doctor answer and it's such just a delightful honest moment but it's also funny now that i have been in a lot of like different film projects because there's times when like you say stuff and you don't actually intend for it to like make the cut you just like You just have to say it. And I feel like, like watching it, it felt like this is my honest answer. I just got to get this off my breath. (sighs) Okay. Well, the BMI was developed and blah, 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 (laughs) blah, you know, but the, you know, director decided to include it in the edit. And so it's just like this, like really real moment, but I've been following them. They're Dr. Asher, either Laramie or Laramie. Um, And I think they're British and they're trans and they're fat. And they, you know, they had a post the other day and they're like, you know, if you go to the doctor, and they tell you to lose weight, but they don't tell you like the side effects of like losing weight, you know, of a diet or your exercise regimen. Like they're not treating you appropriately because if they would tell you the side effects of a medication, like why won't they tell you right. like the side effects to your health of like yo-yo dieting, which is what most people end up doing? Um, so yeah, um, but I do think that in some ways, a lot of like psycho-emotional, like just humanness stuff. Like, I feel like in some ways, like, men don't get space to be human culturally. And that's, for me, where it's, like, you know, we talk about systems of oppression and we talk about the people who are, like, you know, at the intersections or, like, on the bottom of it. But, like, they don't serve anybody. It's, like, sure, like, you know, patriarchy, I guess, makes things better for men, allegedly. But, like, it also, like, does a disservice to men. Huge. Huge. And I think all these systems do, so.
0: And a lot of times I feel... I've been in instances now, where even when you're talk, even when I'm talking to women about that, there's very little um, empathy extended because all they can see are the ways in which I benefit, and all the ways in which they don't, and they don't account for all the, the 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 innumerable ways in which men suffer under it as well in all of these ways. So there's like the 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 lens of empathy and the lens of connection is just not there at all because it's like, motherfucker, I don't care. Like this, you a dude, it's patriarchy, <laughs> and all of it is wrapped into you, so you go fix it. And it's like, hold on. We would be better equipped to work together to go fix it than for you to just go tell me to go fix it because it, it also requires me to continue to exist the way that I do, which is under some level of subjugation for it to persist. So anyway, I, we can talk about that stuff forever.
1: For yes, I will just say that I agree. I think we could all use more empathy. I think, I don't know what's going on, but I think we're all and the broad all and obviously also hashtag not all of us or whatever, but. <laughs> There's just, like, it seems like folks are just getting, like, more and more guarded, more yeah. and more, like, just walled off, more and more, like, drawing lines between folks. And, and yeah, a little empathy could go a long way and is necessary to solve anything, truthfully.
0: Um, yeah. Now, now, I did notice that there is some level of competition in the uh, mermaid space. Is that, is it cutthroat or... What is it like when you're in it and going after these jobs and getting access to these things and being a part of these different circles?
1: I think it really depends on who you are um, and what these things mean to you. I wouldn't... I wouldn't say I think it's cut through. I mean, there's really not... So, like, mermaiding is new, relatively speaking, and we're still you know, at the point where we're still having to do, you know, consumer education, you know, like, and be like, these are mermaids, and this is how we can make your X, Y, or Z more interesting, or this is the value we can bring. Like, we're very, by and large, new. And so there's not a lot of jobs. And so you can say, like, numbers-wise, sure, things are cutthroat. It's also seasonal work. So, like, there are very, very few, like, full-timer performers. Um, And so for a lot of people, this is just a fun thing to do. But for some people, it's their life. Um, And sometimes that can clash because sometimes someone for whom this is a fun thing to do, it might be easier because, you know, maybe they can buy the tail that has the look that gets them the job and somebody else might be trying to like uh, bootstrap and do this full time and they don't have access to the same amount of Stuff, and so they don't get the same opportunities. Um, pageantry and mermaiding, I've had the opportunity to judge two pageants now. Um, and they were actually within a few months of each other. The pageants themselves sold me on pageants. I was very skeptical of pageants, especially like coming in, um, you know, starting the Society of Fat Mermaids, um, really kind of pushing like accessibility and equity and um and I'm like where does the pageant fit into this um Mm -hmm. but again if a pageant's just a fun thing to do like why not and it can motivate people sometimes to you know just push themselves to that next level um all the pageants have some degree of like a um I don't want to say philanthropic but like a do good stuff arm you know and so Uh, You can't win a pageant if you're not, you know, doing some sort of environmental or humanitarian thing. And so um, I think sometimes the pageant can motivate people to be a little more um, active in their causes. Um, And I think, like, I know a lot of people who like to be a part of pageants because it's like if I'm at the grocery store and I'm wearing my sash, it's just a good conversation starter and it's an easy way to like mm-hmm. spread the good word, whatever the good word is.
0: So that thing, um, that thing on the Netflix documentary that was on the boat, that was a pageant, right? That was a
1: pageant, yeah.
0: Okay. Um so there was a lot of camaraderie in that. Like there, like people were rooting for one another. They even made room for another guy, I think, who mm-hmm. I can't remember all of the specifics on how like, but it, that felt like that was more supportive and just like a fun type of thing to where it wasn't as competitive.
1: I think it was. I think it depends on who it was. Um, <laughs> okay. Some people were very, very passionate <laughs> and competitive, and some people were like, "I'm playing mermaid on the inaugural voyage of a virgin cruise <laughs> I already won." Yeah, um, <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> Please watch this documentary, <laughs> y'all. It, it, you is called Mer People. It's still on It is, it is, it is an amazing. You will, you will, you will connect with at least two people on there, and Shea Monique's one of them. The other one is the brother Blix.
1: <laughs> I lo-
0: hey, brother, you are. I would love to have you on. You are light. You are love. You are inspiration. I don't know you, and I love you, and I would love to talk to you and get to know your story, man. Because you, you, uh, you really shined, man. Just in every every episode or every scene that you, that he was in, you know. Same with you. It was just, it was just beautiful. And you stay in contact with Blix? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah.
1: Blix just did. Um, they've done a lot of artwork for me, uh, but they just did. They do like mer illustrations. They call them mermies. They just did two new okay. ones for me um, since I have the new tail, um, and so I have a new look. And so I'm like, oh, I need new stickers, I need new branding. And so they, I just got the artwork. I haven't even really shared it yet. Um, okay, but yeah, Blix is awesome.
0: Let's talk about these tails, cause it is intricate. What, what is a what is a mermaid tail? How much do they cost? What's involved? How many do people typically have? I want to know all about the tail because I guess the the detail is in the tail. Did you like that? I'm kidding. I love I'm just, it. Love I'm just it. I I'm kidding. Doing. Go ahead.
1: Okay. What is a mermaid tail? It is literally what it sounds like. It is a uh, some sort of. It's either usually made out of like a swimsuit material, a scuba material, or now silicone. Um, kind of one piece so you put both legs in it and it has a fin, uh, the fin part we call a fluke at the bottom. What's most important if you're going to swim in a mermaid's tail is that you need a really good quality monofin in it, which nobody knows Um, going in. They're just like, I want a mermaid tail. And um, people will go and buy some poorly made thing from whatever overseas site.com. And um, and I did the same thing when I first started, so like I also didn't know. And mine said monofin included. I thought the monofin's job, what I thought, was just to keep the fin open and make it look cute, right? Like it's just supposed to hold the space, because otherwise, if you think of your two legs together, um, and then there's a bigger part that fans out, like the you know a little end of a fishtail or whatever. If there's nothing holding it open, it looks stupid. Just, just drag them behind you. So <laughs> I thought that was the whole purpose of the monofin. When you're swimming, the monofin is where your power is coming from. And it is not safe to swim with your legs bound without a good quality monofin made by somebody reputable. Um, okay. And so... Um, now it's really cool. And I came in mermaiding at a great time because I came in kind of um, as more and more things were actually being made for merfolk and, like, I didn't have to do the, like, creative DIY, figure it out. Um, we, I came in when there were options. So uh, you can get a quality tail from, like, a company on the low end um, called, like, Fin Fun or I think they're called Sun Tails. And you can get a tail and fin usually together you can probably get one for like right under hundred bucks. So let's say like 80 bucks. Um, and you can go all the way up and spend like 10 grand on a silicone tail if you want. Um, and, um, they run the gamut. Um, so the fin fun swim tails type tails, um, usually they're like swimsuit spandex, um, with patterns printed on them. Um, kind of the next level up is like a scuba knit. It's a heavier fabric, um, not necessarily going to be sheer, um, might have a bigger fin. People love big, huge flowy fins, um, might have extra fins, you know, you might Mm. want some hip fins or some, um, heel fins are very popular because they can kind of hide the look of your ankles and like that transition. So they can make you look more realistic. A lot of people want a dorsal fin up the back so you can like add all these fins. Um, and then, so the scubanet, and you can get those from like your Mer Tailor, um, who was featured, um, Finfolk Productions. Um, was that the woman
0: who made yours on the show and Mermaid presented it to? Mermaid Ariel
1: made mine, so okay. she made me a silicone tail. So sh- I've seen videos of her uh, making like the mold for that tail, and she took a spoon and like sculpted all these.
0: Are you serious? Yeah.
1: Like a huge piece of clay and she's got a spoon and she's just like sculpting with a little spoon wow. um, to make the mold that she then poured the silicone in that became my tail. And so Mermaid Carol made that. Um,
0: that was beautiful.
1: Thank you. Um, so that's my new look now. Um, and so, yeah, the tails run, yeah, from under a hundred bucks to several thousands of dollars um, Mm. on the high end. And how many do people own? (sighs) There's a lot of tail collectors out there, so I think it's pretty normal, I would say, to own at least eight, and I know people who own dozens. Um, I got lucky because I just created a belief that served my pocketbook, (laughs) um, which was if I grew it, it shouldn't change every week. Um, And so where some people... You know, a tail maker will be like, this is our tale of the month, or I'm releasing this. And people are like, I got to buy it. Or, oh, I got to get it before it sells out. I'm just like, this is who I am. This is what I look like. Um, and so financially that has served me because it has helped me resist the mm. urge to get,
0: you know, every new tale that comes out. You, um, requires a lot of effort. I mean, it, One of the things I've recognized in the show is that it is a skill to perform and put these joints on. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of like when you're judging there's certain things you're looking for in terms of like the the motion, how you flip and all of those stuff. It's it's a lot more technical than just a layman would 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 truly understand just looking at it.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I love about it is. The more I know about it, the more I am amazed by good performers. So like, I don't know, there's always this fear that like once you know how the sausage is made, you know, it's not cool anymore. But for me, like the more I know, just the more people blow my mind because it's like I understand everything they're doing while smiling underwater with their eyes open, you know.
0: (laughs) 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 How long can you hold your breath?
1: the longest i've held my breath was about two and a half minutes wow That um, was like in a training session so i was like very supported um i fantasize about getting up to five minutes um i don't usually time myself um but sometimes like as i'm like editing videos and it's like oh i was only under really 35 seconds there mm-hmm. so i'm working on it so that's one of my goals uh we're talking in january like hoping by the end of the year to have videos, you know, that are like 90 seconds long and I'm underwater the whole time. That's like
0: a goal. Speaking speaking of goals, you went in with this idea for black representation that kind of looked more like you. When you got in there, when you got into the space and you really started developing, are there, are there things that you've learned about yourself through the process that you didn't that you didn't know before going in?
1: Hmm. I don't know if there's things that I've learned about myself, but I've definitely just learned a lot through the process. Um, actually, I do think I've learned. Um, I've gotten a different understanding of, like, my leadership skills um, and a different understanding of kind of, like, the power of my voice. Um, Mm. It's been really, well, it was, now I'm kind of used to it, but it was really surprising how the community responded to me and listened to me and heard me and, and... you know, kind of, like, juxtaposing that, like, I mean, I know who I am, but do, how, how do they know who I am? So, like, so it's, like, okay, well, they don't. I'm telling them who I am. So, like, that's kind of just made me have to, like, see how I, like, navigate in spaces. And, and I've had an appreciation um, for, like, my maturity and understanding of the world, like, there are interesting interpersonal dynamics in mermaiding. And I think who I am has helped me navigate that well.
0: What, um, since it's kind of expanded and more from what your intentions are, like now that you, we talked before a little bit about, uh, before we started filming like why you, you stay and what are you doing it for and all of that kind of stuff it, it's definitely more than just getting in big ass pots of water or and, and with a tail right it's, it's a lot more than that and I, I I think it's um. Explain to me and and folks like just what that more means to you.
1: To me, it's about. Really, it's about freedom. And um, and it's weird because in some ways I'm like, I mean, can you think of anything more absurd in some ways than like 350-pound middle-aged black mermaid? Like, Like, what? Like, that's just so random in some ways. But it's like, okay, here I am. <laughs> I exist. Just doing my thing. So you go exist, do your thing, like whatever your thing is. Um, And yeah, like we, all those shoulds, you know, you should go to this school, you should date this person, you should get this job, you should do whatever, you know, you should, wear this cologne, like all these shoulds are just bombarding us like all the time. And I want people to like do what they want. I want people to, to do what feels good. I um do what I call like motivational videos and I'm often giving little pep talks and really the core of it is like, you're enough, you're worthy and you're valid. And like, yes, I'm a mermaid and you are a podcaster and both of those things are valid. And like, do you, like, I just, I don't know. I just want to like kind of break assumptions that people have about themselves, about others, and just create space for people to kind of like, like if we could break down some walls and just like build up some like, I wouldn't say positive connections because that's too simple, but just, open up possibilities for people and, and like safety. And when I say safety, I mean like feeling safe in yourself, like just feeling comfortable in yourself and trusting yourself. And um, I struggle because like, I don't um, filter my comments. I do get a ton of negative comments. They're generally all some variation of the fact that I'm a whale, Um, which is like really interesting because, they're not they're like redundant it's just like weird because it's like like (laughs) like I'm not even like it's just like they're not clever because they're redundant but um yeah and there's a struggle there because it's like I don't want someone with my body type to like read all those comments and like be offended but to me I think of those like trolls as like um, like they like they don't know it, but they're spreading the message because yeah, unfortunately the way the algorithm works, it's like, you know, the more engagement, the more people see it. And so, um, but even with that, it's like every now and then somebody will message me and they're like, I love what you're doing. Like, please don't stop just because people are mean to you. And it's like, why would I stop just because people are mean to me? Like, that would be me being mean to me. Like, you know, and so I think on some level just like, seeing all those comments and like showing up the next day and doing my thing like and but demonstrating that for people like okay like people can have opinions of you so what you know like all right so you know like uh my niece is like she's 10 and they're starting to get mean girl stuff like it's Mm. like Yeah, it's like, oh, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I'm buckling in. Like, we're upper elementary, and we're just going to ride, I'm sure, all these fun interpersonal things through college, right? Um, And it's like, okay, like, she can say that, and you can still go do your life. Like, it doesn't matter, you know? Like It's like, okay, thank you all for spreading the word, but I'm still here. And I think there's power in demonstrating that for folks as well.
0: And I think what's cool about your story, and what I like, one of the things I try to um, confirm, is it's a it's a process that starts with one step, and and just because you start the process doesn't mean you have it all figured out, and that the challenges don't, and that the challenges go away. Like you know, you started belly dancing and you started, then you did the burlesque and then you did, and then you continue like the voices don't go away. You just, you do enough things, you validate that you can get to the next thing. And then you, next thing you know, you look back and you've developed this life. You've got these things that you've acquired, but you just didn't give up. You keep going. Cause some, I have to be honest about the voice. Cause sometimes every now and then there is a voice in me that says, Nobody's watching this shit, man. Why do you? <laughs> why are you spending all of this time and research and care and following up? But that's the assignment for me, and and despite the voices that creep, you know, I have to recognize that that's just a part of the process too. Just like all the other positive voices are a part of the process. It's my job to manage the the volume of them both so that I can persist in spite of and i have a lot of friends who who's who 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 struggle with the with the with the with the volume of the negative voice and and i understand what that means and having somebody like you come on and seeing you and seeing like it's about freedom it's about persisting like you just be you and and then you actually being you is that's the solution and i and i um it's why i wanted you to come on you know it's why i wanted to talk to you and highlight your story and just say thank you like in person for you choosing to do that cuz you 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 can choose something else people do it every day you know um but i but i'm glad that you're choosing that you chose and are choosing the path that you're continuing to choose and it helps me continue to choose my path because I, you know, I get I get motivation from 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 people like you who are choosing um, to do those things. I feel like you make shit happen. I try to. And I and I wanna I wanna think I wanna I wanna take the vision that you have in your head and see if I can create it in mine. What would a world What would Shea Monique's world look like 20 years from now if all of her dreams came true?
1: Like all of the dreams? Oh gosh. Um, Probably if all my dreams come true, my biggest struggle will be in letting go because I'll have a lot of irons in the fire, but I would have a lot of competent people managing those things. And also my inclination would want to be to get in there and be a part of it. And so my new self-talk dialogue would be like, so-and-so has this job because they're really good at it. They're actually better at it than you. So tell them they're doing great and go leave that alone. I want an island. There's so many islands for sale um, for like less than a million dollars. And I'm like, why? why is there not a mermaid island? Um, so I want an island that's like, a chill resort, like not like a big built up, but just like a like low key like resort type place that has like a focus on mermaiding. But all our clothes are print on demand and I would love to um, grow to a space where we have um, a US based um, print on demand um, place that like really does um, really facilitates like entrepreneurs and starting their like businesses and their clothing lines, but also like pays the people printing and sewing well and also is in like, you know, an area where people could use jobs because industries just disappeared. Um, And I probably would want to hire people like, you know, with records or something like that. Um, and, And so yeah, so like our stuff would be made in house, and we could then have definite like control over like size inclusivity and accessibility because the amount of time I'm looking for like bigger sizes of x y or z I can just make it um but I can just make it for other people and like help kind of incubate their businesses in ways um so that would be going on um I think I think Fat Mermaid wine should be a thing. Like, it just sounds cute. Like, can't you imagine, like, being in, like, Target or something and, like, seeing, like, a wine bottle and, like, a Fat Mermaid and being like, yeah, that's the one I want. Um, So...
0: I sure as shit can. Right? You know why? Because I got a fucking Snoop Dogg wine over there. Right. And if there can be a Snoop Dogg wine, why can't there be a Fat Mermaid wine?
1: Right. And so... um,
0: Your face, right? Your, Your body? Your you?
1: I mean, I guess one of them can be...
0: No, yeah, you're the face. <laughs> I, I, like I told you, I'm painting the picture. You're it's coming together. Okay, I'm yeah. the face. Okay. Because sure. I, I see these wines well, bottles. I mean,
1: there's a couple different wines. There's okay, be I got you. A lot of different faces. Um, and so, definitely, I want to make spaces for people to swim. Um, there's not a lot of places where we can swim. There's this really cool quarry that's like a it's like a park for divers, and the guy who owns it is like, terrible. And, and it's like, it's not close. It's like two hours away. So it's like, it's not close anyway, but I like don't go because the guy is just like, he's not a good guy. And I'm like, well, we need to make a place where we can swim. And so I'm like, where's their land? And like in Virginia where there's land, it's like wine country. So I'm like, oh, well, okay, well, we're going to have to like have a man-made lake quarry thing and we can have a little vineyard. And again, it'll be like a small resort like it can be a place for like mermaids to come do their thing but it can also just be like a place to come hang out it'll be pretty people can camp um there's a plot of land in south carolina that i'm looking at it's like right across the street from south the border um which uh, it is what it is but it's definitely fading and so i'm like we can just you know people still gotta stop on 95 and so it has a lake and so i want to clean up that lake and like have it available for people to camp and swim and like I'm like oh, can put up like a rest stop food place that has like a roadside attraction, mermaid show and like wow. um, so those are some of the physical things I want. Um, there'll be retreats like 20 years from now and maybe like to do retreats quarterly. Um, that feels like a fun pace is quarterly retreats. And the Society of Fat Mermaids would, of course, have its own tail line. And I forgot like the thing, like the thing, mm. Vegas show, like underwater Vegas spectacular. My brother's like, there's not enough water in Vegas. So we'll have to figure that out because I definitely don't want to like just drain the environment. But like Cirque du Soleil, underwater, synchronized swimmers, um, Somehow like immersive kind of like, you know how when you're in the aquarium, you like walk through and people are swimming over you. So like, just like.
0: I think Cirque du Soleil did an underwater joint. Yeah. About 10 years ago or so and built a tank or something out well, there for Well, maybe it's it. still there because. Yeah. If I, if <laughs> I remember correctly. Got some
1: mermaids in it. Um But yeah, I want like there. Uh, on Mer People, you'll see Cirque Siren Pod go swim at the Silverton, um, which is the casino. But like, they're not really. It's just, like, something going on in the casino. I want, like, a underwater
0: spectacle. You want to be the feature, like, the the reason why they're there, not the backdrop.
1: Yes, and I want it to be a thing you would get on a plane to go see. Like, I'm going to Vegas to see Usher. I'm going to Vegas to see, like, Mermaid, Shea, Monique, and Friends. Like, this is, like, a thing. And it also, like I like, I don't even know what it would take to, like, really choreograph it in a way... But that's, that's the dream is like this, just like epic Vegas residency, um, really cool attraction.
0: I could see all of that. Awesome. I could see all of it. I could see the, um, I could see the island for sure. I could see the wine for sure. I could see the... uh, the vegas show for sure there's something about seeing mermaids that makes me feel like anything is possible just by seeing y'all like in the water and smiling it, it, it's like a it's like it's, magic is probably the word It's magical, and um, I think the world needs more magic, because it gives us an opportunity to test our boundaries, which are so limited, oftentimes. And uh, there's so much more possible than we give ourselves credit for, and that we think And just seeing you or any mermaid for that matter like in a in a tank it's like damn (laughs) that's possible yes but
1: that's what i love about living now like i'm so grateful because there's not too much i can think of that somebody can't make and it's It's really cool to be able to Google and be like, oh, okay, there's a person who makes blah, 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 and such and such, you know, like, and just get it. Or somebody can 3D print it for me. Or, like, Mm -hmm. it's really, it's really cool. And I'm really grateful because a lot of things I do would have been harder, like, much harder if I was trying to do them 15 years earlier. I mean, I just said, like, I wanted to start a clothing line and I found a place that's like, okay, we can print you Hawaiian shirts with whatever you want on it. Like, I don't have to sew, I don't have to have you know, a minimum order of 500 shirts, like I can just like make one, you know, and it'll show right up at your doorstep. And, you know, like that's really cool, but that hasn't always been. And I'm just really grateful to exist at a
0: time where most things seem possible and attainable. So tell me, so scale, tights, that's what the things are called, tights?
1: Leggings. Scale leggings. My husband calls them tights.
0: (laughs) I'd be horrible with naming women's clothes and shit. It's fine. I I just found out the difference between a blouse and a... uh, Anyway, so you got the... You said leggings? Leggings. Okay. The scale leggings. Did you design those and the shirt?
1: So I, like, envision, but I don't design. I'm not a, 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 like, pen to paper artist. Gotcha. Um, So I, like, end up having things commissioned. So... um, I really love the scales on these. So like I said, when I first started, we were t-shirts and leggings and our leggings had like just interesting patterns on them. Um, And then I was like, Oh, like the actual like mermaid community wears a lot of mermaid scale leggings, which totally makes sense. Um, (laughs) And so like our first leggings, I like had commission and it was very much like, it was someone out of the community who was the artist. And so the, Scales were cute, but they were kind of like the curved, like, like half a C type scalloped kind okay. of mermaid scale. And then as I kind of started paying more attention and getting more in the community, I'm like, oh, like the mermaid scales like are very realistic, usually on like mer apparel that people are like in the community are into. And and like once you're into it, like you can look at a legging and know if it's a tail or a fin folk, like due to the shape of mm. the scales. And so I was like, Oh, we need our own scales for society of fat mermaids. And so there's this really dope artist um, called Abby tails. She designs tails and whatnot. And so um, she made us our scales and it's weird. Cause like they're all inspired by fish scales, but you still need it to be like unique. It's like, okay, Like, I want a scale that's more realistic, but I don't want Finfolk scale. I don't want Finfun scale. I don't want mer Taylor scale. I want the Society of Fat Mermaids scale. So she designed these, and um, when she did this particular legging, she did, like, seven different kind of skin tone leggings um, and patterns. Uh, So, like, if you're wearing this, like, under your tail or something, it kind of blends in, and I just treat it as, like, my neutral. Um, And then... Uh, our, like, kind of slogan is, like, fat mermaids make waves. And so I decided I wanted that embodied in um, fabric. And so I had a um, Nigerian designer do this. Um, And I'm wearing, like, the pink and purple one just because I like pink and purple. Um, There's, like, a blue and yellow one that's, I don't know. Like, I think it it looks more oceany, you know. But we've got our fat mermaid. We've got, like, cowrie shells, um, and then, like, kind of waves throughout. And um, I dig it. It makes me, like, really happy that we've got this. And um, this is really a men's cut shirt, so it's, like, I wear them all the time, but there's, like, no good way for me to, like, wear it because, like, if it's big enough for here. It's, like, way too big here, so I just kind of
0: keep it open. <laughs> where, where can people find your... get your stuff? On your website?
1: Yep, at societyoffatmermaids.com.
0: Um, and, and are you... are, are your, are your uh, pieces only for a specific no, size? they're size are
1: inclusive. You? So, okay. like, they're, like, from extra small to, like, 6XL. So, oh. which I really dig because you can, like, twin with your friends, you know, and that can yeah. be hard when, like, friends are different sizes. But, yeah, our stuff's for everyone. Like, we, we're called Society of Fat Mermaids, but we're very size inclusive. Question for you.
0: Okay. Almost missed this. So glad I didn't.
1: The origin of mermaids. The origin of mermaids?
0: Do you get into it to that deep?
1: Like, kind of. Like, I don't get in there as deep as other people.
0: Um, Ooh, there's a really
1: good podcast called the Merwomanist Podcast. Um, Dr. Jalandra Davis. Oh, gosh. I think she is Jalandra Davis, and then she's at UC... Somewhere like I'm struggling because there is a UC Davis and I'm like, no, Davis is her last name. <laughs> yeah. One at the University of California schools. Um, but she has a podcast, the Mer Womanist podcast, and she like goes deep into like African mer um, stories and like mythos and like. Um, just all sorts of stuff like it's you know, it's a professor talking about mermaids, specifically usually black mermaids.
0: It's great cuz what I what I th- what I looked up was that they were angels or something and got cast down into the water and the salt in the water is what keeps them locked in and that's the reason where it comes from the difference between holy water and that they were that that mermaids are actually cast down um, angels.
1: I don't know that one.
0: That was rebe- that that rebelled against God or something.
1: I don't know that one. I like that one, but I don't
0: know
1: that <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, it's a good one. I don't know that one. Um, and then you have like the Greek sirens, which were really birds, but then somehow became mermaids along the way through uh. translation. Um, huh. Then you have um, the Mami Wata, um, who's West African, and... Yamaya,
0: who um, she's an Orisha, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and she really gets a lot of credit for like protecting folks during the like transatlantic journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's, I mean, there's a story for every culture.
0: I got you. Um, Is there, to your knowledge, has there been any proof that there mermaids were real?
1: To my knowledge. No.
0: Uh,
1: you're supposed to say yes because you're the, looking at Nerman. one. I know. I know. Oh, man. I know. I just that was a softball. I know. And I just like, because like there's that like, I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> like somewhere deep in me is this just like, I can't just, you know, if we're talking about the history and the science. No. <laughs> but but the, the party line is we've only explored 5% of the ocean. Um, and so like what's going on in the rest of those like deep hidden pockets of the ocean, we don't know, so. But
0: well, I'm glad that you and the other merfolk are out there exploring, spreading your love, spreading the positivity and just being inspirations, you know, and as we expand that 5% understanding of what's in the ocean, I, uh, I have no doubt, I'm sure it's something down there.
1: I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff down there.
0: Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I really appreciate it. See? Appreciate it. Um, Best of luck to you.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Peace.